You are Locked On 49ers, your daily San Francisco 49ers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked On 49ers. My guest today, Jeff Dini, pro football focus analyst. We will uh, maybe get some answers on if there is separation between Jimmy Garoppolo and some other available quarterbacks around the NFL Maybe some separation between the rookie quarterbacks in the draft and similar story with the cover guys for the 49ers, free agent corners, and top guys in NFL draft. This episode is brought to you by Rock Auto. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com and tell them Locked On sent you. My guest today is Jeff Dini of Pro Football Focus. He's an analyst, well-versed. When it comes to 49ers football and horse racing, what's going on with the ponies right now, Jeff, with COVID? How has that affected things? I know people still love to bet and they can bet from home and watch the the horses run on TV without any fans in the stands, right? Yeah, I mean, I think the horse racing industry is kind of geared more towards that way lately anyway, where um, you don't have a lot of people going on the track anymore, unfortunately. And, you know, you're betting online and the Internet on your phone. You can watch it on TV. You can watch them on your races on your phone and stuff. So I think with COVID, that's obviously kind of continued. It's just a matter of, uh, you know, a lot of the tracks are not having visitors just like every other sporting event. So, but I think most of the tracks are still going and still racing when they can, as long as they're not having any kind of outbreaks. And um, yeah, not a whole lot has really changed. It's just like I said, most of the betting is geared towards online betting these days. Do you still have a horse out there that's running? We do not. Um, we owned. Uh, you know, for, for many years, we would own like one or two horses, like, you know, like five, 10% of a horse. Um, long story, we had a friend who's really, uh, it was big into breeding down in Southern California. Um, so he was nice enough where he would own 90% of the horse, let us buy like a little, like, you know, a hoof, like five or 10% and would own with them. And so we could afford it. And it was a lot of fun. It's the closest you get to owning a sports team is <laughs> the best way I can describe it. Cause like, yeah. The, the rush you get when your horse wins is just like no other. It's, it's, it's awesome. Um, it's not the best investment to make. If you're looking to make an investment, there's much other wiser <laughs> investments out there, but it's a lot of fun, but you can hit big too, right? Oh yeah. I mean, it's, I mean, it's funny. It's lots of times, you know, one really good horse that surprises and ends up being awesome. will pay for the four or five horses you had that were duds that lost you a bunch of money. So every once in a while you get lucky and actually, one of our most successful horses is actually my wife's riding horse now. And she goes to the ranch up in Portola Valley, feeds it every morning and rides it every once in a while. And we adopted it after it retired. That's pretty awesome. That is fantastic. Uh, well, when it comes to 49ers football, which is why I brought you on the show, even though horse racing fascinates me uh, for, for some weird reason, the only time I've ever seen live horse racing was at Golden Gate Fields. And it was, uh, it was a lot of fun. And it was, you know, a cheap place to hang and you know bet on some horses and uh, it was really cool actually and I, I miss that and I, I'm guessing that's not a thing that's happening much anymore so hopefully at some point soon um, maybe you and I can go have some drinks and, and watch some horses run who knows maybe one of your horses um, let's get to this 49ers football stuff and of course the biggest story I want to talk about some college players and prospects and quarterbacks and corners uh, which I think are going to be heavily involved in that 12th pick. If the 49ers keep it in the NFL draft, although John Lynch did trade every single one of his original picks last year, so who knows where the 49ers will actually be drafting this year at any of their selections. Uh, but we've got to start 
in-house first, and you got to start at quarterback, and that's the big topic this season. Where are you at with Jimmy Garoppolo? Where is pro football focus at with Jimmy Garoppolo? I know the quarterback annual just dropped in the last couple of days, and I haven't really had a chance to dive into it yet. Uh, I have to imagine Jimmy G's grades from 2019 were much higher than they were in 2020. That would be accurate. I mean, uh, the quarterback annual was not very kind to Garoppolo this year. And I think, I mean, I'm not saying to throw out everything from last season, but I mean, you look, he was really healthy for a game and a half last Mm -hmm. year. I mean, he kind of struggled that Arizona game in the opener was really good. The first half against the Jets before getting the ankle injury. And then after that, I mean, I think, you know, when he came back, he was probably 70%. And I think it was just a point after, you know, Mullins kind of laid an egg against the Eagles. They decided that, you know, Garoppolo at 70% was giving him a better chance to win than, you know, Mullins at 100%. Unfortunately, with like high ankle sprains, we've seen like often, you know, you come back too early, just they end up, you know, re-injuring him, making him worse. And um, he was never the same all year. I mean, you could tell his mobility was, what mobility he had was pretty much gone. Um, I was expecting his mechanics, his accuracy is all over the place. And I mean, that's one thing, if you look at the quarterback annual, we have a lot of metrics as far as accuracy. And he was, you know, very below average in a lot of those metrics. Um, but I mean, as far as 2020, I, I kind of want to give him a pass on most of those things, just because I think they said he was, he was a shell of himself physically. And I think it really affected his, his game. Um, yeah, I mean, you go back to 2019. Uh, if you take the top 32 quarterbacks, as far as snaps, I mean, he graded 13th, which I think is about right for him. I think when he's healthy, um, he's a slightly above average quarter starting quarterback. I mean, I think, I mean, I think when you're trying to analyze what we what the Niners should do with him, I guess there's probably three main things to look at. One is just obviously his play. And I said, you know, I think when healthy, he's a slightly above average starting quarterback. Um, the second thing, obviously, is the availability, and that's been a big issue. I mean, he's, you know, the torn ACL, um, you know, the, the injuries last year. I mean, even go back to New England, I think, when he had, only had a couple starts when Brady got suspended, he had a shoulder injury, he had to leave a game. Um, you know, is it injury prone? Is it just bad luck? I mean, it's hard to say, but you make haste that, you know, two of the last three seasons for the 40 hours have basically gone in the tank because Garoppolo has missed the majority of the year combined with the fact that they haven't had a backup quarterback that's, you know, been able to win games for them. I mean, you look at Mullins last year. Um, again, if you take the top 32 quarterbacks in snaps last year, he ranked 32nd. Um, if you had a, a, an adequate backup quarterback last year. I'm not even saying like, you know, Ryan Fitzpatrick, but just like an adequate one. Um, you know, they probably won at least three more games and maybe, you know, they're nine and seven and they sneak in the playoffs. So um, I think that's when you go back and you look at one of the options this year, if they do keep Garoppolo, that maybe somebody like an Andy Dalton or somebody else, some sort of veteran presence that you have, if Garoppolo does get hurt again, that can step in for a few weeks and, and win you some games. Um, because I was, I said two, the two last three years, I mean, they basically, the season was shot once he went down. So that's the second thing. I guess that the third thing you're looking at is the salary. I mean, he's, I think, making $26.9 million this year. If they let him go, cut, trade, whatever, I think they eat $2.8 million of that, but they would save $24 million. So, mm. um, you know, not the cap hit. That's some of these other quarterbacks you're looking at, the, you know, the Staffords and the Wentzes and, you know, Matt Ryan and even Deshaun Watson, if their teams traded those quarterbacks, would be taking a pretty sizable cap hit. I mean, the way the Niners, you know, been structuring a lot of their deals with Prague is, you know, trying not to, you know, uh, backload that stuff too much. Um, so I think in this case, it's, you know, Jimmy's kind of year to year. So, you know, I think you got to factor all three of those things in. And I think, you know, 
my philosophy, I think Lynch and Shannon are trying, have been looking to upgrade from Garoppolo if they can. I mean, I think they looked into Stafford, realized pretty quickly that the cost was going to be way too much mm-hmm. that they wanted to pay and didn't really get too far involved with that. Um, I don't know what else is out there that aside from Deshaun Watson, which you know we can get into, but is going to be an upgrade for at some point. I mean, I don't think Atlanta's going to trade Matt Ryan unless they draft a rookie with their first pick and then decide they just want to run with him. But I mean, I, I think it's like a $41 million cap yeah, bet if they... That would have to be a, just, a post-June 1st move, I think. So that would have to yeah. be really awkward for Jimmy Garoppolo to still be around and then post-June 1st, then they make a trade, then they'd have to do something with Jimmy then. It'd be really hard to move on and... and uh, and do something like that unless the Patriots do the thing that they did last year and, and don't really have a quarterback other than Jarrett Stidham through the summer, then they could maybe find a taker still for Jimmy G or maybe they would just have to cut him at that point. But that doesn't seem like a good use of resources because it's interesting. You mentioned Jimmy G was around the 13th ranked starting quarterback in 2019. So if he's healthy, he's being paid at, I think, almost that exact level, the 13th highest paid quarterback in the NFL. So you know he's he's... He's worth what he's being paid when you consider what quarterbacks are being paid around the league. So I don't think his contract is a problem. But then if you have to bring in a high-level backup, you have to pay that backup. Now you're paying your quarterback position $30 million, and it starts to make a lot less sense if you have to pay for a Ryan Fitzpatrick or an Andy Dalton who aren't going to be free. Right, and then then the question is, if you do go that route, do you draft somebody on the first or second round? I mean, for example, if hypothetically if Trey Lance I doubt that's going to happen but if he somehow falls to 12 or maybe gets down close enough to 12 where they don't have to mortgage a bunch of picks to move up to get him then you're paying that guy on a first round rookie contract to probably sit as your quarterback as a third string guy for a year so I mean that factors into it as well so you know I mean I don't think I mean I I really don't see Carson Wentz being an upgrade I mean I think maybe there's a little more possible upside with him if he somehow gets you know fixed for lack of a better word, but I mean, he was awful last year. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, and, the, and it's the um, cost too. So you'd have to spend something to trade for him, and he costs more against the cap than Jimmy Garoppolo does. So right. I, I'm with you on that one. Carson Wentz doesn't make a lot of sense, and to to pay for a lateral move at quarterback when you already have a guy who's 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 got the locker room too in Jimmy Garoppolo. Right. So you don't want to disrupt that just for the sake of changing quarterbacks. Uh, I do want to ask you about a couple of other quarterbacks that could be available and what you think about names like Deshaun Watson and Sam Darnold and how they stack up against Jimmy G and what that might look like. And then talk some college quarterbacks, some cover guys as well, potentially what the Niners could do at the 12th pick in the draft coming up with Jeff Dini. The football season is over, but there are still ways to bet on the NFL when it comes to betonline.ag. NFL draft. You bet on who the first pick in the draft is going to be. That one's not great because it takes $50 to make $1 with Trevor Lawrence, who is going to be the number one overall pick in the draft. But things do get interesting when it comes to the second pick. Zach Wilson, Justin Fields, Trey Lance, Penny Sewell, or the third overall pick, even more interesting. Who will be the second quarterback selected? The third quarterback selected? Who will be the first wide receiver selected? Or how about put some money on J.J. Watt's next team? The Steelers, Bills, and Packers with the Cleveland Browns coming in fourth most likely when it comes to J.J. Watt's odds at Bet Online. Carson Wentz, Deshaun Watson's landing spot if traded. The fun is endless. NBA, NHL, Table games, poker, blackjack, they have it all at Bet Online. 
Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. Get in on the action. Don't forget to use promo code Locked on to receive 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. Jeff, exactly how good is Sam Darnold? The talent's there, the production has not been, and how great is Deshaun Watson when you compare him in 2019 and 2020 to Jimmy Garoppolo, healthy and not healthy? I think with Sam Darnold, you're looking at a guy who obviously... It's tough because, I mean, you look at our grading. I mean, he's down near the bottom of the list. Um, last year, he was 32nd out of 32 quarterbacks, um, just behind Mitch Trubisky, of all people. Um, the question with him, obviously, I mean, you see some upside with him. I think, you know, there was one play against the Niners last year where he made a great play in garbage yeah. time, kind of. It was a wow you know, throw. He was like, okay, I can see. Yeah. I, I see you there. It's but a, when you look at the whole of his season, he's been bad. So you should expect yeah. probably – a quarterback who's worse than Jimmy Garoppolo, at least at first, and maybe Kyle Shanahan can fix him, but that's another problem for me. So I think the intrigue for Darnold is the physical ability is there. It, it almost be like drafting a quarterback that's already been in the league a little bit. Hopefully that development curve is quick and steep in an upward trajectory under Kyle Shanahan, and you're saving a lot of money. But I don't think Darnold with Garoppolo makes a lot of sense. Does that make sense no. to you? No. I think, I mean, if they went the move with Darnold, and I don't think they would. I think it would be a replacement because I don't think you'd have Darnold as a backup. I mean, I think the big question with Darnold is his play, how much of it is him and or how much of it is the lack of a surrounding cast around him, the lack, you know, the fact that Adam Gase is his offense, was his head coach, you know, kind of offensive guy. You know, if he gets this, you know, Kyle Shanahan quarterback friendly system, you know, how much better is he? I mean, again, there's another guy with possibly higher upside if he somehow gets, you know, goes the Ryan Tannehill route where all of a sudden he turns into a really good quarterback with the change of scenery. Um, but I, you know, again, I don't think he's probably an upgrade. He'd be a gamble, but the only, the only reason I would think they would even consider that move is just the money factor that, I mean, I think Darnold's probably would cost about 4.6 million um, if, as far as a cap hit if they traded for him this year. So if you let Garoppolo go or trade him and you brought in Darnold, you're saving you know, $19.5 million that you could use to sign other guys on the roster. You're essentially saving but, one Trent Williams. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, I don't see it as a, hey, we're going to upgrade with Darnold. It's more of a, he's a better value. We can now bring in Trent Williams or some guys on defense or whatever. And maybe the, you know, the difference between Garoppolo and Darnold is, you know, small perhaps or maybe they think that's the case if they bring him in and they can fix him where you can take that 20 million whether i said it was Trent williams or a couple of defensive guys or an edge rusher or somebody the benefit of those 20 million dollars is greater than the difference between garoppolo and Darnold. i guess yeah no that's um, that's really well put uh I, I gotta ask you about deshaun watson because that one is the clear upgrade at least considering what Watson did in 2020. But I've seen a lot of people on Twitter point out that if you look at their 2019 statistics when Garoppolo was healthy in that Super Bowl run, Jimmy G and Deshaun Watson, there's not a three first-round draft pick upgrade from Jimmy G to Watson, but he went into a different level in 2020 into complete stardom at quarterback. And uh, I, I tend to think it's probably worth it that we haven't seen a guy like Deshaun Watson ever get traded in the NFL and you probably can't really overpay for that type of quarterback at the age of 25, but how do you see it and how does he grade out with PFF and how big of an upgrade is that going from Jimmy G to Watson if he were to become available? 
Yeah, I mean, I mean, obviously, I think it's a long shot. But if I'm the 49ers and Houston finally decides that they want to try to deal him, um, I would go hard after him. I mean, I think, I, like you said, I mean, it is so rare that you see someone hit, you know, it, it really entering the prime of his career. I mean, Watson's 25, I think. Um, I mean, if you trade, whoever team trades for him has their franchise quarterback for the next 10 years, you know, an elite quarterback. I mean, he was our third graded quarterback last year behind um, Rodgers and Brady. He was just ahead of Patrick Mahomes. Um, you know, it just, he would be obviously such a significant upgrade. I mean, I think he obviously someone who's, you know, mobile can do things outside the pocket. He's a rushing, running threat. I mean, he's a tremendous upgrade on, on Garoppolo or, you know, 90% of the quarterbacks in this league. I mean, obviously, the question is, is how much is it going to cost? Um, the interesting thing from a financial standpoint is he'd only have a $10.5 million cap hit this year. So, I mean, you'd actually be saving about $13.5 million as opposed to Garoppolo in 2021. It's after that where he starts counting, you know, 35 and $37 million the two years after that. But you get a little bit of cap savings. But as far as compensation goes, I mean, obviously it's going to be a lot. And then the question is, you know Houston's going to ask for Bosa or Warner um, in addition to a bunch of other picks probably. And so it's like, how far do you want to go? I mean, to me, I, there isn't a player on this team that's untouchable to get Watson because I said, then he's your elite. He's an elite franchise quarterback for the next 10 years. And as much as I love Nick Bosa and think that unless he has some sort of catastrophic injury at some point, he's going to win a defensive player of the year award, if not multiple. Um, but I, I did think just having, and I, having that quarterback for the next 10 years and being set at that position. I think I don't think there's anyone that's untouchable. I mean, if I'm the Niners, I try to do it without having to give up Bosa or Warner, but I'm thinking what's going to probably cost you one of them. What I don't think you, I would do is if it costs you like three ones, a two and Bosa, that's probably a little too much. I think Bosa would have to be the majority of the package. If right. you're going to throw him in there. Yeah. Cause Bosa uh, alone, you're asking for, I'm asking for more for Bosa if I was just trading him to some team. I would be asking more right. for Bosa than what the Rams gave up for Jalen Ramsey, what the Seahawks gave up for uh, Jamal Adams, right? And so that and right. that's two ones plus. So if 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 they come and say you want Bosa, it's like okay, Bosa for Watson, cool, let's go, you know. And then and then explain that to them and say, look, we can do this, but and we'll give you a lot of picks, we'll give you young, controllable talent, but if you want Bosa that's most of the deal. That's how much we value Bosa. And I think they would know that they're in a position that they're not going to get a Bosa. And even Warner, I don't know if he makes that much sense for the Texans because he's up for a contract so soon. And I mean, if you're Fred Warner, you get traded to Houston, you're walking at the first opportunity you can. He's going into the last year of his deal. So to me, what makes sense for Houston, and they're not going to win with Bosa until he's a free agent anyway. They're not going to win with Warner before he's a free agent. So to me, what the Texans need is picks and the number of picks and if they're getting players back they need players who are really young someone like Javon Kinlaw makes a ton more sense to me because you could argue hey this is a first round talent that you're getting mm -hmm. and he's only one year into his rookie contract so he could still be good and just entering his prime and still be under that rookie contract when your team is good once you utilize all these draft picks so to me even uh, a package that the 49ers would put together I don't know if it makes that much sense for the Texans to want fewer picks and then a star player like Bosa or Warner back because I don't think that jives with what they're going to need to rebuild. To me, it's something like three first rounders and Javon Kinlaw is, is the, the package that the Houston Texans should want from a team like the 49ers. 
You know, that makes sense because, I mean, if they do deal Watson, they're pretty much in full rebuild mode at that point because obviously, you know, Watt's gone. They traded Hopkins last year. so And they were only um, a four-win team with Watson. Imagine how bad. And look, they're going to earn the first pick in the draft next year. They can take their quarterback there too. So I don't think they need to actually have a quarterback now either. They need to have someone to play quarterback, but they don't necessarily have to find their future franchise quarterback this second. No, and the interesting thing is I think, you know, with this franchise being or Houston being so dysfunctional right now, you know, they talked about, you know, who can give the best packages right now for, for Watson. And, you know, talk about Miami because I think they have the third pick and they have Tua and the Jets have the second pick. So if the, if you, if Houston wanted, they could use one of those picks to draft a quarterback. But like you mentioned, they'll probably have the number one or an early pick next year. But this, the fact that they seem to be playing this, you know, waiting game or game of chicken with Watson at this point is that if you, they do decide to deal there's a good chance that's going to come after the draft. Yeah. Uh, so the fact that, you know, the Jets and Miami have these top three picks probably is not going to matter. Um, so that might actually work in the 49ers favor. And possibly if it gets closer in the, to the, you know, July, August, I don't know. I mean, maybe that works in the 49ers favor too. And, um, I mean, it, it's, I mean, Houston has said they're not going to trade him, but I mean, it's clear to Sean Watson is no interest in playing for him ever yeah. again. So it's just a matter of who blinks. Absolutely. <laughs> Yeah, that's 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 the tough part is do they believe him? And I I think for us because there's everything's been sort of leaked information and the Texans have gone on the record but Deshaun Watson, I think we know where he stands but he hasn't, you know, done his face-to-face interview. You know, it's like pick one, right. pick your favorite reporter, do an interview and and make the statement and and put it out there. Don't just not return phone calls because all it takes is him to return one text. And I'm I'm sure, uh, you know, any young people out there who've been uh, dating know what it's like to be like, uh, you know, you keep shooting the text, you're hoping to get one back, and and you're holding out hope. And it might take a while for you to realize that that return text is not coming. And I think that's where Deshaun Watson is. If you were just like, look, no, never, it's over and make it public, let everybody know, tell the teams that might want to trade for you, look, you should be calling the Texans because I'm for sure not coming back. Even if you said it privately, get that out there publicly. I think it would make a lot of sense and, and help Watson's cause. Just kind of not returning calls and, and hanging out and, and being on vacation. I don't know if that's enough to to send the message to the Texans that, look, I'm legitimately never, never coming back. Right. I mean, he's basically ghosting him at this point. Yes. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, I think that's a good point. And, you know, maybe that gets the ball rolling. I don't, maybe they'll take him more serious. I don't know. It's a good, I mean, I know he's, he's supposedly, you know, requested a trade at some point earlier on. So, but I mean, I obviously they think that they possibly can get him to come in later. I mean, it seems to me that if they've come to the conclusion that, that he's not going to come back, it's better to, the earlier you deal them, the better, the longer this goes, the more leverage they lose. So, Absolutely. Not only before um, the draft, but probably before free agency because, and there's some other teams that that might be in the bidding that might figure out their quarterback situation. And then, you know, there's one less suitor and one less team to bid up, you know, everybody else when it comes to giving up picks and giving up assets for Deshaun Watson. Hey, real quick, I think the longer this goes, when, like I said, the way, you know, Houston's been running that franchise, it doesn't surprise me that it's going to take a while, but, I think the longer this goes, the more the better the advantage of the 49ers. I think, you know, they have Garoppolo, but even if it's like July and they say they're going to roll with Garoppolo and all of a sudden Watson hits the market, they have no problem making that move. Like you said, if other teams have committed to quarterbacks, maybe they might not. Um, so, and with Watson's got that no trade deal clause in his deal, 
that, you know, he kind of pick which team he wants to go to for the most part. Um, I think, like I said, if it gets later in the year, it gets closer to, you know, the season starting. Um, I think that kind of maybe narrows the, narrows some of the teams that may have a legitimate shot at him. So, um, you know, as much as I think we'd all, you know, are excited to see where he goes and hopefully he would go to the Niners that the longer this plays out, it might be a little bit more to their advantage. The only thing that has an advantage for the 49ers in all of this is most of the teams that are being linked to Deshaun Watson potentially are in the AFC. So if the 49ers can at least offer something really close, the tiebreaker could be that they want to send Deshaun Watson to the NFC. So that that could maybe help and work in the 49ers' favor in all this. But I, I agree. It probably would benefit them for this to happen after the draft because, the, because those Picks are then spent. You made your team now better if you're the 49ers and you drafted, say, a cornerback that we're going to talk about in a second here. Uh, and then you kind of even the playing field with those draft picks because nobody knows where those future picks are going to be. Yeah, absolutely. More with Jeff Dini of Pro Football Focus coming up. Cover guys, NFL draft, what to do at pick 12. Oh, there are some new flavors of built bars being released that I'm not allowed to talk about yet. But they are blowing up the locked on NFL DMs like people are super excited about it. And I'm worried the hosts are going to buy up all of this new flavor before you guys can get your hands on it. So you should act quickly. Go to BuiltBar.com to find all of the new flavors and all of the fantastic old flavors of Built Bars, a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. Feel good about both the taste and the nutritional value of a high-protein, high-fiber, low-sugar snack. That's Built Bar, B-U-I-L-T-B-A-R. Go to BuiltBar.com for 20% off your next order with promo code LOCKEDON. Again, promo code LOCKEDON at BuiltBar.com for 20% off your next box of Built Bars. Let's talk. 49ers free agent corners, Verrett, Sherman, and K1. You only can sign one. Considering what you think they'll get in free agency, uh, which one of those players do you think has the bigger impact going forward for the 49ers? Oof, that's a good question. I mean, I think Sherman's most likely gone unless for some reason he hits the market and just doesn't. Um, there isn't really a market for him, and all of a sudden he comes back at a, at a really you know reduced deal. But, you know... I've always thought K1 Williams has been tremendously underrated. I mean, he's been, you know, great in the slot. You know, he's always been good against the run. He's been good in coverage. He's been great blitzing from the slot. I think always been one of the, you know, the most underrated defenders for the Niners the last few years. That being said, I could see him being the guy that Robert Sala throws a bunch of money at to come to the Jets and overpays him. So, I mean, I think if they're going to keep one of those three guys, it's probably going to be Jason Barrett. Um, also because I think there's a bigger need for them at outside corner just because they really don't have any right now. I mean, I, it's like Tim Harris and a couple other scrubs, I think are pretty much the outside corners on the roster right now. I mean, I don't think a Keller probably coming back either. So he did finish the season pretty strong, but um, I think they have a much bigger need at outside corner. So I think if they sign one of those three guys, it'd probably be Jason Verrett, who ironically was the most, the healthiest cornerback on the roster last year. Crazy that Jarek McKinnon and Jason Verrett were the guys that were the Ironmen for the 49ers last yeah. year, given what their history has been. And even guys like Eric Armstead and 
Jimmy Ward for the last couple of years have played a lot of games and those guys were uh, annually banged up and hurt and nicked up. And so they, they made themselves a lot of money and they stayed on the field last year as well. So they may have turned the corner and you hope the same happens with Jason Verrett. And I'm with you. He, he's the number one corner. He's probably second on my list of players that the 49ers need to resign after Trent Williams. Uh, let's totally go great. to the college class really quick here and try to figure out what the 49ers could do at 12 or maybe when it comes to quarterbacks, potentially move up. How does PFF see these college quarterbacks talking about the the top three guys, the main guys? And I think they, those are the only three quarterbacks I would I would consider unless maybe you can tell me otherwise about somebody else like Mac Jones at pick 12. But uh, we've got Fields, Zach Wilson, Trey Lance, who you mentioned a little bit earlier. Uh, it sounds like you think Lance would be the most likely to fall to pick 12. What order do you have them in and who do you really like for the 49ers? Well, I mean, I'm a big Zach Wilson fan. I mean, he was our top-graded quarterback last year, um, a 95.5. Um, you know, I think, you know, great playmaker, can do a lot of stuff outside of the pocket for you, great arm, good accuracy. Um, you know, after Trevor Lawrence, I think he, he's my next quarterback. I would not be surprised if he goes, you know, second to the Jets um, or somebody else trades into that spot to take him second. And I think that's the problem for the Niners is moving from 12 to 2 is going to cost you a lot of draft capital. Um, you know, Justin Fields, I like a lot too. Again, tremendous accuracy, obviously he's a huge threat as a runner. Um, and then, you know, Trey Lance is an interesting guy. I mean, I haven't, I'll be honest, I haven't watched a ton of film with him, but you know, he's got a gun for an arm. Um, again, another guy, a devastating guy, quarterback running the football. I mean, kind of reminds me of Cam Newton as, as a rusher in a way. Yeah, I mean, he big. will run over DBs on the DC yeah. level. And I know, because Kyle Shanahan toughness is one of his things, and Trey Lance shows that. And Trey Lance also, that in that offense, uh, is asked to do more than some of these other college quarterbacks, because you see so many college quarterbacks who stand there in shotgun all day long. They look to the sideline for the play. They're not even relaying it in a huddle. Then they slap their hands, and, and somebody snaps them the ball. you know. And it doesn't look a lot like a pro-style offense, but North Dakota State's offense does a little bit. And you see some of the concepts, even that Kyle Shanahan runs in that offense. And he's, you know, plays under center and turns his back to the defense and does, you know, and, and runs play action and bootlegs. And he does a lot of things that I could really see Kyle Shanahan seeing that and thinking, yeah, you know what? I kind of like this Trey Lance kid. And yeah, he's big and athletic and has a cannon arm too. And and he's raw because he only started for his uh, red shirt mm-hmm. freshman season plus one game this year. It's not really his fault. He should have been a two-year starter at the college level, but the one-year starters in the in the uh, NFL, there's not very many of them that have been good, and Cam Newton is actually one of them. So um, it's very interesting comp there with that size and the way he runs in, in Cam Newton with Trey Lance, and I can definitely see it. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting. Actually. He had like 1,100 rushing yards back in 2019. Like I said, he only played the one game. They kind of showcased him this season. You know, I, I think he said, I think he does a lot of things you, we've seen that kind of translate to NFL offenses, but like I said, he's kind of raw where he's had one full season. You know, it's, it's a very run heavy offense there. He's only had two games in his career where he threw, he had 25 attempts or more. So of course coming to San Francisco, he's kind of a, I won't say a run heavy offense, but it's not the, quite the pass happy offense as you see from other NFL teams. So maybe that's not quite a big deal, but um, to me, he's kind of those more intriguing guys because I think he's got the skill set. Um, if the Niners could get him, he could probably sit and be the third string guy for a year. Except if you have like an Andy Dalton or somebody else as your second string guy. And then if you decide to roll with Garoppolo as your starter, um, and then, you know, after, after this season, you can kind of 
decide where you want to go after that. If Garoppolo is still your guy, or if you want to, you know, make Trey Lance the guy in 2022 or what have you. So, and plus, obviously, he's, I think, I mean, I don't think Zach Wilson's getting anywhere near 12. I don't think Fields probably is either. I mean, I, I've seen some mocks of Trey Lance at 12 of the Niners, but I think he's probably going to go a little bit before that. But I think the cost to move up from like 12 to like seven, eight, or nine is going to be significantly less than having to move up to two or three. So that seems to be a more a realistic option if John Lynch wanted to grab somebody in the first round than trying to move up to get Zach Wilson. As much as I love him, I think it's going to cost a lot to move up to the second spot. Yeah, I totally agree. I think the key is one of those quarterbacks getting past four at Atlanta because the Bengals don't trade ever and they already have their quarterback. So that means six is where you can start to see a value in a trade up that won't maybe cost you a future first round pick. So six, seven in front of Carolina with Detroit now having a quarterback in Jared Goff. I'm with you there. That's where if the 49ers strike in a trade up, I, I imagine that's the spot that they would be targeting that sort of a, a deal. Um, one quick question for you here before I let you go, Jeff, and it's about corners. So if the quarterbacks are gone, ideally it would be Alabama's Patrick Sertan, the second or Caleb Farley, who opted out last season from Virginia Tech, but was one of Bruce Feldman's freaks and is, you know, 6'2, can break on the ball like nobody's business, super athletic, 4'3 speed. Uh, he's the athletic specimen. Sertain's more ready to play now. How do you, and someone called me out on Twitter and I just did it, uh, Sertan and Sertain. I've been calling his dad Sertain for so long that I can't say Sertan, which <laughs> apparently is the correct way to say their last name. Um, but, Farley and Sertan, how do you see those guys? And is it are they in a clear category by themselves in the drafted corner? Yeah, I think so in the first round. And I think they're both kind of I've seen mocks around in that 12th spot for both of them. I, I know I'm getting really old because I mean I just remember Patrick Sertan and Asante Samuel yes. as corners. <laughs> and it doesn't seem like Asante Samuel retired that long ago either, oh, which is crazy. Yeah. And Joe Horn, um, too. His kid, JC Horn, might be the third corner off the board. Yeah, so I mean, and all they're, they're, all these guys are in the draft this year, but I mean, I think both those corners fit. Uh, Patrick Sotan and Farley fit with the Niners. They're both big guys with some length. They both are really good in press coverage. Um, you know, Sertan was our top graded corner last year um, at eighty nine point nine. You know, Farley again, another big guy. Um, I think probably as well, like you said, a little more speed and quickness than Sertan. Um, you know, obviously opted out last year, but two thousand nineteen put up some really ridiculous numbers allowed a passer rating of just 26.8, which is crazy because you Oof. figure if a quarterback throws the ball in the dirt every time, he's going to get 39.6 passer rating for an incomplete pass. So <laughs> that tells you how, how good 26.8 is. Um, and he allowed just a catch rate of just 36% in 2019 as well. So some pretty good numbers. So I think both those guys, if they decide not to go corner, or sorry, decide not to go quarterback, um, would be a good pick and a, a good fit and obviously a definite position of need with with their, their pretty much entire starting outside corner unit um, free agents this year. Jeff, in just a few words, because I know it's it's time to let you go here, Putting looking into your crystal ball, 49ers week one opener, who's the starting quarterback and who did they select in the first round of the draft? I think it's going to be Garoppolo. Um, just because I think most like, I mean, there are probably a couple scenarios here and there that might pop up where it wouldn't be Garoppolo, but I think the main one would be they'd get to Sean Watson. I think, obviously, I think that's a bit of a long shot just because of how much he's going to cost and the fact that he's Houston said they're not going to trade him. So I'm going to say Garoppolo. Um, 
far as the pick goes, I think, you know, either one of the corners or an edge guy, perhaps, since obviously I think they need somebody outside of Bosa on the other side of Bosa quarter, a quarterback would not surprise me either, but I think you'd have to trade the pick to get it. So I would say one of the two corners we just talked about are possibly an edge rusher. Yeah. We didn't have time to talk about edge rushers. I'll have to have you on again before the draft and we can get some PFF grades on some of the top edge players in this draft and the Niners at 12 could potentially have their pick of any of them because there's no Bosa or chase young type of player in this draft. That's going to go in the top five, but, um, don't be surprised, 49ers fans, if the 49ers draft a defensive lineman in the first round. I think that's clear with this regime that you should never be surprised at that. Okay, Jeff Dini of Pro Football Focus at PFF underscore Jeff on Twitter. Always a pleasure, Jeff. Thank you so much for your time. No problem anytime, Brian. Thanks to Jeff, and thanks everybody for listening. Be back tomorrow and every day throughout the offseason right here, Locked On 49ers.